Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook on sales and marketing alignment, three critical areas where collaboration is essential. In it, you'll discover how you can better align sales and marketing to drive growth. Make sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three, three, three. This is Elizabeth Frederick, as always, and I am really looking forward to my conversation with today's guests. I'm speaking with both the founder and president, as well as the director of sales at Marketing Doctor Incorporated, which is a media planning and buying agency that's delivering record-breaking results for campaigns across the country. The firm has been recognized as an ad age best place to work, an ad week 100 fastest growing agency, and a three-time winner of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies in America. The founder has been named one of the top 10 women to watch in the Women's Presidents Organization 2021 list and is one of the 2021 Ad Week Women Trailblazers list, along with um, other minor players like Vice President Kamala Harris. (laughs) They are based in Northampton, Massachusetts. Welcome to the show, Janet Casey and Kate Pop. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. I am really just so glad you could join us on the show. Um, you guys have a have a great story to tell, and you've experienced a lot of growth, obviously, as as has been recognized. But I'd like to actually start with just introductions of yourself. So I just shared the big picture bullets about Marketing Doctor, but I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Why don't we start with Janet? Okay. It's wonderful to be here, Elizabeth. Thank you for having us. My name is Janet Casey, and I'm the president and founder of Marketing Doctor. And as you said... We are in the Happy Valley of Northampton, Massachusetts, where our company is in person in a hybrid model. So we were one of the first businesses in our area back to work post-COVID physically. Um, And now we've settled into remote Fridays and a lot of holidays and mental health days. So (laughs) here we are in Northampton in 2021, wrapping up the craziest year of my life. Let's just put it out there, right? (laughs) Definitely. So my background is in broadcast TV. Um, I went to UMass Amherst and I'm a really proud graduate of the Eisenberg School of Management at UMass in Amherst. Um, I did graduate studies at Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton. And my background when I hit the workforce, I worked at IBM very briefly and then I landed in broadcast television. So I worked for ABC and NBC and affiliates um, for about... 12, maybe 13 or 14 years. And then in anticipation of getting married and having children, I went out on my own. When I worked um, in broadcast television, it was a very unfriendly landscape for working mothers and working parents in general. Mm. There was just no, absolutely no um, flexibility, leniency, um, And you had to be at your desk from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. or longer. And I had a really strong feeling that I wanted to raise my own kids, whatever that looked like. Um, (laughs) If they were going to have bad habits, I wanted them to have my bad (laughs) habits and not the baby. Learn from the best. Yes. Yeah. So I went out on my own. And my goal was to be a consultant in media buying because I worked in media sales through the broadcast television networks. So I went out on my own and I, I had some of the clients that I had in broadcast TV. And I have to tell you, it went well um, from day one. I made money from day one. I've never had a loan. I've never had business debt. We've never, marketing doctors never borrowed a penny from anybody. 
Um, but I was lucky enough to go into business where all I needed was a computer. I didn't even have a laptop. I had a big clunky desktop. <laughs> um, and we, I started immediately, but when you get a little success under your belt as a marketing consultant, and for me, it was in media planning and media buying, all of a sudden my clients wanted to give me everything else in their marketing funnel, which included do my website and do my SEO and can you handle my co-op advertising? Um, and can you, you know, meet with all the reps that want to sell me billboards and, you know, skywriting and nonprofit sponsorships. So I started hiring other moms who wanted to work part-time like I did and who I knew were sharp as a whip, but were at home. Um, mm -hmm. and we just kind of bit it off in little pieces and worked together and we have grown Every year since that day in 2003, when I went out on my own, every single year we've grown. Um, I, I'm a human being. And when I had kids, my um, I had very premature twins who were in the NICU for two months. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were born at 31 weeks. My son was on a feeding tube for three years. Mm -hmm. And he had very serious health problems um, until he was about nine or 10 and he's now 11. And if he walked into a room right now that you were in, you would never know what he's doing so well. But my business was not my major priority from the day they were born until he got better. Definitely. So but we still grew and we were still profitable. It's just, I, my ambition went into deep research and advocacy for my son and not into my business. That's that's a really great story, and I think um, an example that a lot of people can can probably resonate with at some points, and um, will be kind of surprised to to see the level of growth and success you've been able to accomplish while also being able to focus on your family and and the needs of your son, which obviously should be your top priority if you yes. if you have a child with needs like that. That's yeah. um, that's a great story, Janet. Thank you so much for um, for letting us get to understand kind of your background. Um, yeah. Kate, hard one to follow, but um, if you could introduce <laughs> yourself as well. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm Kate Pope. I'm our director of sales and my background really started in the marketing technology software startup world, which is a little bit different than what I'm doing now. And it started with entry level customer support, moving into high value customer success, client services, leadership, and over time, I moved into account management and sales at Marketing Doctor and have not looked back. I absolutely love it. And one of the things that really has made me passionate about where I am now has been just the ability to constantly keep learning, endless curiosity. There's no stopping point. And working for a small business, especially one that's growing as fast as we are and one that has a leader like Janet, means that everything is different every single day. You never get bored. There's always more to see, to do, to learn. And that really drives what I love about what I do. Definitely. I, I love that example. And I feel like just through through your story, you're really um, demonstrating the culture that Janet has worked to create in terms of that, that ability to learn and grow um, and attracting people who are eager to see that level of growth. And from somebody who started out, it sounds like as a pretty junior customer support um, person in, you know, in a different company, but, but in your industry to be able to continue to climb to a level of director of sales is a, is a really exciting career path. And I'm sure you've learned a lot over the course of that time. 
Absolutely. Still am (laughs) every single day. (laughs) That's a good thing. Well, because you guys have been so successful every year, including over the last couple of years, which many businesses obviously um, had had maybe their records of growth stopped or or really have, have encountered problems over the past couple of years. I'd love to spend our time today really discussing some of the lessons that you guys have learned that have contributed to this growth that you've experienced. And it could be lessons that you've learned through trying something you didn't think would succeed and it did, right? Or through maybe mistakes that you made and and you learned a lesson from that and you're not going to do it again. So I don't know if either of you has one that you'd like to start us with, but um, are there any key lessons that, that you would recommend to listeners who might be considering breaking out on their own or, or in leadership roles and, and really want to hear some advice from, from you? Gosh, there's so many. There are so many. I have some that come to mind, but Kate, do you want to start? Yeah, I think um, one of the ones that's always kind of driven my role specifically and how I see myself within our organization too is really focusing on your relationships with your coworkers and mm-hmm. the alignment of, you know, right now I'm, I'm in charge of our sales team, but when I started here, I was also working in account management. And it's always been really important to me to take everything I've learned from the account management side of the house all the way, you know, back through my early days in customer support and make sure that when we're doing sales, we're completely aligned with what our client services team needs, Uh, especially working at a small business. There were times, especially when we were smaller, where that sale might be my account, (laughs) if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes in the door, I might be managing it. And is it an account that I want? Have I scoped it enough? Have I... Um, sold the right things? Is it a relationship that's in a positive place? That's important, whether you will be the account manager or not, it's important to look out for your colleagues. And that ability to find client success really starts with the marketing and the sales experiences that that prospect has and that client when they come in the door. So my team is always constantly working with our client services team to make sure that we are aligned with them. They come to a lot of our sales pitches in, you know, big cohorts and vice versa. And we make sure that the client feels really supported through that entire sales initiative so that they never feel like we're surprising them or catching them off guard with something that they did not expect. Definitely. In in a field like yours, and I'm not sure how many of our listeners um, are, are terribly familiar with media planning and media buying, but um, in, in my experience uh, with your industry, when, when you sell to a client, you, you're aligning on the goals that you're going to accomplish through the specific campaign. And so you guys are going to be placing, um, you know, advertising in, in various places. <laughs> <laughs> Not a great word choice. Um, and the whole goal of that is to achieve the the program goals that have been agreed to. And so if you have a salesperson kind of getting out over their skis and promising results that are not feasible to achieve, you're setting that that customer service team up to fail. And whether it's the account manager or whether um, it's it's a more junior person on the team, that's a terrible client experience that you're creating. And it can be tempting for salespeople to just say whatever it takes to close the deal, but it's never going to be worth it long-term if you, if you lose them as a long-term customer. Completely. Yeah. One of the beautiful things about our business model is we do a really good job <laughs> when it comes to media planning, media buying. We just crush the metrics out of the park. Everything that we do is looking to be better and to help the client see even more success. And so if we do that the right way, they will 
have more profit. They will see better ROI. That's the entire point of working with us. And then when they see better ROI, they have more budget to spend. And that's, they reinvested into more marketing. And that's partly how we're such a fast growing company is our clients keep adding to what they're doing because they're happy. And the only way that that starts is if we begin with the customer service from the beginning to make sure that they will have that. And if, I, if I can sort of carry that forward, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that's important, no matter what you do in life, is to be a leader in your industry. And if you're going to be the neighborhood laundromat or if you're going to be Mark Zuckerberg, you there's a certain class of businesses in your cohort and you want to be a leader amongst them. So one of the things we did at the very beginning was we set very high standards and they've never faltered to this day, not through COVID, not through anything. So having really high standards and, and being a leader in your industry. Now, when you go out, when you walk out the door to sell your business, you know that no matter who you sell it to, you're ready. Mm. That is such a powerful thing to have that just confidence. I know when I speak to sales teams and and individual sellers, the one thing that you cannot get a good salesperson to do is sell something they don't believe in. Right. They'll leave the organization. They'll kind of go into hibernation mode. They'll sell different things that they know can be delivered. But if you work for an organization and you're not confident in the ability to completely deliver on what you're selling, um, you're not going to attract good salespeople <laughs> because they're they're not oh. going to enjoy that position. And right. so to, to have those high standards and and to be fostering this alignment within the team, it's it's a it's doing a, a double service in terms of improving that internal relationship because everybody's confident that, that they know what they're selling, they know it can be delivered. Um, the the service team knows what's going to be expected of them and it's not going to be just kind of thrown over the wall, have fun. Um, and then it's, it's also adding value to the clients. And sometimes people think, you know, yes, culture would be nice. It would be great if our team worked well together, but we really need to serve the clients and just you know, scramble, work hard, do whatever it takes and and don't necessarily recognize that that alignment is actually creating an improved experience for the client. Right. A hundred percent. All right. That was, that was a great first example. Okay. And definitely something that I think a lot of organizations can really think about is, is what's the alignment between the different departments, especially between your sales and your delivery organization, whatever that might look like. What about you, Janet? Well, one of my sort of um, the quotes that I have on my wall is the harder you work, the luckier you get. Mm. And I think that this is true tenfold in sales because sales is sort of a slog sometimes when things aren't going well. It can get even for those of us like I'm a very positive person. I wake up thinking that it's going to be a good day every day. And if you get enough no's, you know, no, the word no from clients it can be get demoralizing to whatever extent that you you let it get demoralizing. Mm-hmm. But every day you have to get up, get up and go up to bat in sales because we all know that you can be sort of in a dry spell and then all of a sudden pitches that you put out two years ago contact you and someone who heard you speak at a conference four years ago reaches out to you and somebody you hit up on LinkedIn reaches out to you and Those things don't happen if you didn't do it in the past. You have to be out there actively executing your plan, 
even when the chips are down, even when you're in the middle of a dry spell, even when you're the competitor you don't like the most is landing everything, you have to continue to do it because that's the only way that you will then get the rainbow is if you keep doing the work every day. And we find that we get busy and sometimes the e-blast doesn't go out that we like to put out. And sometimes our organic content doesn't go on our social channels. And we always have to back the train up and get it done because that's what feeds our pipeline. I, I really just, I love the specific examples, especially that you shared there, because that's so true. And especially like you said, in sales, that those seeds that you plant today, yes. some of them might grow next week and that's great. But some of them are just kind of lingering under the under the dirt, and they're going to spring up in the spring, right? There, there are some right. plants. I, I actually, my grandpa grew up on a farm. There are some plants you actually actually have to plant in the fall to grow at the beginning of spring. And yes. if you're just constantly, you know, saying, "Okay, I, I I'm going to beat this this analogy yeah. into the dust," but if you're constantly, you know, I'm throwing out my seeds. If they don't grow in a week, I'm tilling the ground up, and I'm going to throw out some different ones, or I'm just going to kind of walk away and ignore them. You're mm -hmm. really neglecting that that long tail pipeline. And we've so often seen sales individuals as well as sales organizations build up a very solid pipeline and think they're doing just fine and then clear it all out over a short period of time and realize they don't have anything long term coming up. And that's a really unpleasant place to be. And so if you if you're consistently doing the right things today, you know that they're going to pay off in future, even if it's maybe not apparent right now. That's right. That's that's a hundred percent right. And I I also love that you mentioned specifically the idea that you're you're a positive person, right? Because yeah. some people might think, okay, well that's great. I'm not, so you know you can do that, and I can. But what what is really important, and this is something that we that we often find with our clients, is it's not about how you feel that determines your actions, but your actions actually influence how you feel. So if you wake up and you have the energy and you want to make a cold call, good for you. Most yeah. people probably aren't feeling like that. Instead, you're waking up and you're thinking, I want to eat a donut and sit on the couch. But <laughs> if you make that call, you feel good about it. Even if it doesn't go well, that sense of accomplishment, that sense that that you knew that there was a hard thing and you did it anyway, that actually improves your mood. And so it becomes uh, an actual positive cycle of growth. And that's something that I think a lot of people are waiting for that that morning that they wake up with, you know, a huge smile on their face. And they're like, oh, yeah. not today. So I guess that'll be maybe tomorrow. And yeah. you can really make that happen. You know, when you talk about waking up and sitting on the couch and having a donut, that's what Sundays are for. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? We all get a day off. So we, we have to plant our seeds Monday through Friday at least. Definitely. Definitely. That's a great example. You know, I don't know if you want another example. Mm -hmm. Is it good? Okay. So something we've really only done the last couple of years is we take a certain number of pitches and we just swing out of our league. You know, Ooh. we swing above our weight level and we've actually shockingly won some of those. And I never would have believed this if you told me this in different earlier stages of my life. I would have said that's a complete waste of time. But I think Kate can vouch that 
sort of, we have high standards, we're delivering great services, our services scale very easily, mm -hmm. and we've been pitching clients worth, single clients worth 50 or 100% of our revenue or more, right, Kate? Yeah, completely, completely. Wow. And I always tell our, you know, our services teams and client services team that they make our jobs so much easier on the sales side because of those high standards. They have the case studies, they have the metrics, they have all of the proof points I could ever need to the point where we're almost drowning in them <laughs> and organizing them is a little bit difficult. And we know that that's not something every sales organization has, but we do because we focus on the metrics. And, you know, with that, there's also this culture of just limitless ambition. How do we take what we're doing to the next level? How do we grow from here? And I really believe that if you think that you can only get deals of a certain amount or smaller, that's probably what you're going to get. But if you take those calculated risks and really just swing out of your league and see what you can get, it can pay off. And the amount of just excitement and reward that gets felt among the rest of the team is so energizing when that happens. Everybody feels a sense of accomplishment that they help make that happen. Definitely. Um, I love that you use the word specifically calculated risk. And I know, yeah. Janet, you mentioned that you select when you're going to do this, when you're going to swing yeah. out of the park. It's not like you just wake up one day and you're like, okay, double every the size of every opportunity in the pipeline and, yeah. you know, let's go for it. So right. can you talk about kind of how you make those decisions, how you how you figure out how to calculate that risk? Yeah, so there are certain sort of um, industries and there are certain groups of companies that are very well suited for our particular services. And that is companies that are looking to convert customers, whether it's a B2B or B2C. If they're looking for branding and impressions, that we're not the company for that. But if they're looking to convert actual customers and to sell professional services sales, um, to have people inquire about services and they want to track how their campaigns are doing. We are the company for that. Um, so we look at those sort of opportunities, like, you know, the clients that we're killing it in now, who are their older brothers in terms of companies mm. and who are their older sisters and who are their grandfather companies and who are the big kids in that, in that space? Because we already know how to, how to win in that space. So we take what we do well and we look for bigger opportunities there. And you know, as well as I do, you can reach out to somebody and you can, you can make a great connection and it might, the timing may not be right. Maybe they already have an agency. Maybe they're, you know, in love with their agency right now, but a day's going to come if you keep sort of um, putting yourself in front of those people that they're going to have a day where they're going to want to talk to you about your agency. And what we do, we have, we call them our list of whales. Kate's department has a list of whales that just make us salivate that we know we can start working for them tomorrow with no, absolutely no delay. And we can just kill it. And we touch those whales all the time. There's, there's so much that's buried in there. And I want to kind of hone in on a couple of things. First of all, that idea of understanding your unique strengths and the, the best value proposition you have. What are the clients and the kinds of projects that you know you can do well? You're not swinging out of your league to, to propose something you've never done before. You're just proposing to do a very big version of what you've done before, yes. right? And I think that's, that's a distinction that some people might not, might not necessarily have, have recognized is 
what are the areas of your business that are easily scalable, that are maybe fun to do or easy to do, or you have a distinct process, or your team has the capacity that you could absorb a big one. And then, like you said, finding that big sister company, that that parent company, whatever it might be, you're you're able to leverage the the excellent success stories that you've had and and continue that conversation as opposed to proposing something completely different. And one thing that we found is when you're working with those larger organizations, you you form so many more relationships just because they're bigger organizations that those turn into relationships as those people move around in their careers. And so it can be a source of a lot of business um, and relationships on a long-term basis as well. Yeah, we. You're, it's funny. We just had that happen with one of our big venture capital clients. Somebody left and went to a different fund and they brought us with them, so to say. Absolutely. We, we had one big, big client about 10 years ago, and we're still working. Um, you know, we have, uh, we just had a meeting the other day with somebody who used to be there and is, is looking at bringing us into their new firm. And it's always, wow. um, it's an, it's also just a great feeling knowing that that person remembers their experience of you, both the actual service you delivered, as well as obviously the relationship that they had, that they trust you to bring right. you into their new firm. And so that's another um, way that your commitment to consistently providing that that high value for your clients is really driving the kinds of relationships that, that will benefit you long-term. Exactly. It's kind of how you know you're doing good business, right? <laughs> when you see them come back to you and you see them remember you and you see them refer you to other people. It's so rewarding when that happens. Definitely. I'd, I'd like to speak about that too, because I know you guys have a special focus on referrals and that's something that you've really worked to do. And I'd love to maybe get some stories or some examples um, of, of how you've been able to leverage that power of referrals. Yeah, that, that's a great question because you know our clients who renew with us and some have renewed with us over a decade and we continue to push their efficiencies and we future-proof their campaigns they are our best salespeople. So on a regular basis, and it's funny you ask this, Elizabeth, because it's this time of year, at the end of the year, when people mm -hmm. take a pause and send gifts to each other and there's thanks and maybe Christmas parties, we always say to our clients, the biggest thing you could ever do for us is just think about who you know who we could help. And we do it every single year because our clients know everyone in their industry, they know people who don't compete with them and they can very easily refer us. Yeah. And there's also that mentality of, you know, when you look at your client base and you think about, oh man, if I could just clone this client, <laughs> like I love working with them. It's a perfect fit. I just want to clone them. Often they know the closest thing to, you know, their own clone, right? Like they know other people in their own industry. They know people at their level and those referrals help us continue to have a client base that we just adore. We want to work with them every single day. It's what makes us get up in the morning, get excited. And those referrals really do help. Definitely. And that idea of, um, you know, and a special value in having a, a current or former client be the one that provides the referral is they know what you do. <laughs> and they, they really have that unique personal story and example. And you can get referrals from, you know, personal friends or um, people that you met at a conference or other things like that. But people who've experienced your service provide a, a much more powerful referral. And that idea of having an actual campaign where you're reminding people that you welcome referrals so often, 
I hear from organizations who say, you know, the best way that we can measure success is how many referrals we get from our clients, but we don't ever ask people for referrals. Right. And it's like, well, I, I guess you're, you are recognizing when you provide such an outstanding experience that somebody just unprompted gives you a referral and that's wonderful. You know, some people will do that, but if you don't ask, uh, it's, it's not nearly as likely that you're going to get right. some referrals. And so to, to actually make that explicit ask, tying it to a message of gratitude, of um, wanting to help, you know, the way you said that specifically is, you know, in your message, the, the best gift that you could give us is the opportunity to help more people like you, yes. you know, yes. and, and your desire to contribute. And then when they give you a referral, they feel like they're helping as yes. well. And it's, it's a really positive feeling to contribute in that way. Right. And our clients have been thrilled about our growth and our scaling, and they really want to be part of that success, honestly. And that is a, that's also a unique facet and something I'd, I'd like to touch on for a moment, because sometimes we hear from leaders, we don't want our clients to know how much we're growing, or we don't want to, to, to have that be a focus of conversation with clients because we're concerned that they'll think that we're going to raise our prices or our service is going to slip, you know, in terms of quality or something else is going to happen. And so it, you hear from some leaders a hesitancy to talk to clients about things like that, for some reason thinking that clients aren't going to align. And I'd love to hear from you. It sounds like you have a you have a belief that they that they will support this and you also have evidence that they support it. So can you talk a little bit about that? We have yeah, one you, client. Oh, go ahead, Janet. No, I just want to go ahead and answer it, but I just think about how their combined buying power has helped us as well. Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I was just going to say for a proof point, we have one client in particular that always sends us flowers and a card every single time we win an award. And they don't have to do that, but it is so nice that they do. And it just shows this level of congratulations and, and you know, just a really big high five to the team. And it's uh, proof to us that they support our success for sure. Definitely, definitely. And I think most people in the world do want to contribute. That's that's how I like to live my life, just with an assumption that other people have positive intentions, you know, and sometimes people prove you wrong. But in general, I think people do. And if you let them know and, and understand some of your goals, and if you um, give them clear paths to how they can help you, people love to see you succeed. They love to see businesses succeed. They love to be a part of helping somebody else achieve a goal. And if you can really um, internalize that mindset, I think a lot, we have a concept called head trash. And that's the the self-limiting negative thoughts in our heads that keep us from doing some of the things we know we should be doing. And I think that's a point of head trash that, that again, I've heard from multiple leaders is, you know, we don't want to talk about our growth. We don't want to look like we're growing too fast because we think our clients are going to worry that we won't, you know, be as good of a partner if we're much bigger. Right. I mean, I think they also get that sense pretty quickly, right? Like if you're growing, if you're winning these awards like we're winning and then their experience suffers, they're not going to be cheering for your growth much longer, right? And so we really do strive to maintain those high standards every time we're continuing to scale up on the back. And to Janet's point earlier, the you know the bigger the budgets get on our client side too, the more our combined buying power, you know, has weight to it. And we're able to get them better rates. We're able to get them additional value adds. The amount of benefits and value adds we've been able to give to our clients as we've grown has only grown with us. And they see that, they feel that, they recognize the 
you know, the fact that we're in the top 2% when it comes to U.S. agencies on Facebook and Google, they, they feel that and they know that they're able to come in and, and enjoy those benefits with us. And there's also a sense of, you know, remember me when you're famous. I, I found you that they really enjoy. Like I found you way back when. Right. That's very, very true. That We have some clients that want to be sort of the, um, they want to be our Pied Piper to their friends in different industries and business circles. And they want to be the one to introduce a really good agency solution. So there's that too. Definitely. And I love that you have that mix of kind of the emotional, the psychological, but also the tangible benefits that your growth provides. And I do think if leaders are kind of experiencing that head trash or if they're concerned, um, that's a great exercise is to think of how does our growth actually impact our clients for the better? And if you can't think of a way that that might be, you know, something to really reflect on and figure out um, how how you could better serve your clients. But we've seen so many organizations where, you know, as they get bigger, they can afford um, to to have new positions in terms of client service and client support that they couldn't manage at a smaller size. And so you're able to maybe provide a concierge level experience or, or something else. Um, as you said, you might get better purchasing power and and have more kind of strength to offer um, better whether it's rates or actually better solutions for your clients. And so the more you can, again, internalize that value that your growth provides, and then also as appropriate, externalize it and share it with people, that that can really help you be more comfortable and confident in having, um, in having those conversations with potential referral partners. Completely. Yeah. Well, this has been um, just so interesting. And, and I'd love to hear... You know, all the stories and the examples that you guys have shared shared really just fit together and and say a lot about the culture that you've created. I don't know if you guys have any more stories or examples that you'd like to share. Oh my gosh, we have we've been through all of it. Trust me when I tell you that, Elizabeth. Like we we've gone about sales in so many different ways, like organically and um, lists of people and going through LinkedIn and you know, asking our clients, but I have to say probably the most successful thing we've ever done is that we've built really good internal infrastructure, like a website optimized for SEO, um, a big LinkedIn presence and some, finally some, um, thought leadership in our industry. Mm. And and we were the cobbler's barefoot children for 16 years of our 18 years. We never did any of that because we were growing too fast. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. And and we see that so often. But as you said, um, it kind of ties to that 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 first thing or second thing we were talking about in terms of the the harder that you work, the luckier you can get because you're building that foundation that's long term you can definitely kind of bootstrap it and, you know, oh, we don't have a great website, so I've just got to work harder and make more calls and and do all this. But if you can build that engine that's going to be providing you leads, providing you a reputation, providing you, um, you know, relationships and and, and other things on a long-term basis, it's some work to set it up, but it's worth it long-term in terms of just building that pipeline of leads that your sales team really needs. Right. Right. And my joke here in the office, when we talked about us being the cobbler's barefoot children, I would look around and say, does anyone know anyone who does marketing? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. It, it, we really got serious about marketing. I would say in the last, like what, two years, Janet. It's yes. yeah. And it's, um, you know, still a work in progress. We're still improving it. Um, the level of marketing we do for ourselves is not what we do for our clients. They get way more, uh, but we're really putting so much emphasis on, you know, their success and doing right by them that sometimes ours takes a little bit of a backseat and we're getting more serious about that now. Right. Definitely. And I do think that that's an example that a lot of people, if, you know, I, I know many of our listeners are in that professional services space, whatever it is that you are advising your clients on that you're helping your clients with take advantage of that because you're going to get a couple of different things. Obviously, it's going to help your business. If if what you do is good work, then if, if it's something you can do for your firm, you know, do it and you're going to get the benefit. But it'll also really teach you about the experience of your offering. And we've even seen clients kind of hire themselves as a client and right. really go through the process as if they're engaging themselves and they'll experience that the client um, you know, journey and experience the way that account management happens. And you can potentially identify some areas for improvement um, just by kind of engaging yourself as a as a client for real. And I love that you guys um, finally decided to kind of take a deep dive into it. And I completely understand how you can get pulled away by just wanting to service your clients and thinking this isn't necessarily a priority. Yeah, we would say, you know, it's a princess problem that we've grown and scaled so quickly. We've never had to have that infrastructure for our own marketing, but it's still a problem because when a client vets you for credibility and whatnot, they're going to go look at that stuff. Yep, <laughs> definitely. You don't want them to be like, oh, oh, you don't come up in any searches. I've never no. heard of you. Nobody's ever heard of you. Exactly. How, how are you going to make it so people hear of me? Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing my painful laugh over here. <laughs> one of those lessons learned the hard way, I can imagine. Yes. yes. All right. Well, one question I always like to ask our guests is, do you have any resources that you would recommend to our listeners? Those could be books or podcasts or videos or anything else that you find um, you've learned from has added value to you that you want to share. So for me, I, I know this is going to be, you know, not news to anyone, but traction changed my life as a business owner mm. you know the eos system i'm sure elizabeth you probably have a lot of people that mention that yes definitely but for listeners who haven't necessarily heard of it or aren't familiar with it do you want to talk just for a bit about the the value that that's provided for you yes absolutely so traction is a really nuts and bolts book about best practices in running a business any business and some of the key things in it are how to know that you have the right staff in the right seats, how to set goals that you can check weekly and monthly, how to really assign accountability to your staff in a way that it's part of your lifeblood at your office and everyone takes it seriously, how to handle managing people, people who are human and who are flawed and people who don't all have the same values exactly. How do you manage them? It changed our entire agency. When I read Traction as part of a women president's group, and then I hired a Traction consultant, we started scaling like you wouldn't believe. So it was definitely something that this company needed. But every time I'm at a conference or anywhere when I've been on lucky enough to be on these lists of like winning, you know, winning business people, everybody sort of is a graduate attraction. So that's a basic book and that I would recommend to everyone reading this. And then um, after Traction sort of comes Rocket Fuel, which is the next level. And, and that's a wonderful book as well. 
All right. Thank you for um, for taking that deep dive, because I, I will say we've worked with a number of clients who are who are part of the, the Women's Presidents Organization. And that is definitely something that um, that has come up. A number of the successful growing companies have implemented those best practices. And I think hearing it from you um, is a is a really powerful example. So thank you for that. What, what about you, Kate? So every time I'm at the airport, I always grab certain magazines that I love to read that just give me some inspiration of, you know, what we could do next or what other companies are doing. And so I always grab like Entrepreneur, Fast Company, Inc. They're just a great plane read and I can learn a little bit along the way. And then, you know, one you maybe haven't heard before is reality TV with high value sales. So the home buying, <laughs> the home selling, the wedding dress shopping, I personally love quoting those and mentioning them to my team, because I feel like you learn a lot about both the seller's and the buyer's perspective. And you learn techniques about what works and what doesn't, what happens when somebody comes in with an unrealistic budget, or they come in and you offer them something over budget. Uh, obviously, a you know, very dramatized experience, but I do find a lot of tactics from that that I enjoy quite a bit. Definitely. It is always funny to me because I, I've never even thought about how that applies, which is which is silly because it does. And so you'll watch the the home buying shows and they'll say, okay, our budget is four hundred thousand to five hundred thousand. And the first house that they get shown is eight hundred and fifty thousand. Oh yes. Like, yes. Um, and then that's... what happens? And you see their reaction and how it goes south very quickly. Yeah. And, and so that, that understanding of just people are people, whether you're selling B2B or B2C Mm -hmm. and to see, you know, like you said, there, I'm sure that it's, it's manipulated at least a little (laughs) bit, but um, people can't really hide their, their instinctive reactions to things. And if you're thinking of, of making a move, like proposing something, you know, double the size of what somebody could afford, maybe giving them multiple options and making sure that one of them is at least within that budget. Um, Exactly. Right. And it is just relaxing watching somebody sell things like islands. I'm just like, people buy islands. Oh. Yes. <laughs> a whole island. Yes. <laughs> oh, can you imagine yes. that being your job to sell? Oh, funny stuff. <laughs> All right. If listeners want to learn more about you and more about your work, where should they go? Um, you can find both of us on mymarketingdoctor.com. You can find both of us on LinkedIn. Um, you can find Kate and I on a lot of... Um, sort of ad age and ad week, um, I, I don't know, forums and blogs that we've written to, on and contributed to. Kate, what am I missing? <laughs> Our social channels are all at Marketing Doctor Inc. And you can find them on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Nice. Well, it sounds like you definitely applied your best practices there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth, do I have time to give a plug for one more of my, fam- my favorite binge right now? Absolutely. Brene Brown. Oh my goodness, yes. yes. Brene Brown. Where has she been my whole life? <laughs> her books, her podcasts. I, I just, from just a personal level, as well as the work that now she's doing more kind of at a leadership level, yeah. every single time I listen to an episode of one of her podcasts, I go back and listen to it again. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And you have to. Her, you know, her, she's all about radical candor and she's about being vulnerable but she's also about having boundaries and being a reasonable human being. And honest to God, that's all you need at work. Absolutely. It's it, that that mix. You know, sometimes people hear vulnerability and they think, okay, you know, we need to be all crying on each other's shoulders. And that's not at all what she's talking about. It's, no. it's just being open, being honest. If you have limitations, if you have concerns, being vulnerable 
people enough to share them. And that's actually one of the best things you can do as a leader. So often people think I need to put on my bulletproof vest and I need to just have a completely blank face and I can't, I can't be myself at work. And as leaders, that's one of the worst things you can do because then what you're telling your team is you can't show emotions either. Right. You're forming that. Right. And I think it also works well. You know, when things go wrong and they do, when things go wrong is to, to be vulnerable and say, you know what? I didn't see it that way. And I didn't execute it that way. And I, I got a bad result and let's, let's talk about this or that. It's okay to say, you know what? I probably caused this. I wasn't looking at it the same way as you all. We might've not had enough communication. I just love her talking about being genuine and transparent and being vulnerable. Definitely. And not blaming. Blame and shame are things that she really talks about. And I think um, both really killers of culture and organizations. Well, thank you so, so, so much for speaking with me today, both you, Jana and Kate. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And right back at you. Your podcast is amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into the show today. You can find the notes and the resources for everything we've been talking about at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 333, fun number. As a reminder, if you subscribe to the show, you get every new episode without having to go look for it. So you can subscribe for free wherever it is that you're listening right now. We will be taking a couple weeks off for the holidays. So we'll be back in January and I look forward to talking to you in the new year. And I hope all of our listeners have a wonderful holiday. If you enjoyed the show today, please recommend this to a friend. That's the best way to help more people discover it. It's a referral. We love feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews wherever it is that you're listening. And you can send us feedback, questions, or guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling.